630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Back to McDavid, who earlier tonight scored his 30th. One-timer cleft bomb, rebound, score! Milan Lucic with his third career hat-trick, and it's unnatural, Hattie! The steal by Connor McDavid, 99 points, looking to make it 100, over the line, dishes off, backdoor score! There it is, that's 100 points for Connor McDavid! Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos, 630 Chad. It's off to Anaheim for your Edmonton Oilers. The game tomorrow to start their second round series. We'll have it for you on 630 Chad. Face-off show at 6, another late one. It starts at 8.30 Edmonton time. Same start time for Friday. Much earlier when we get back to Edmonton on Sunday, Game 3 will start at 5 o'clock. Eskimos rolling out their new general manager today. We're going to introduce you to Brock Sunderland, 37 years old, comes over from the Ottawa Red Blacks, so he takes the range, uh, the reins of the green and gold. Good to have you along for the ride tonight. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's 6.07 Inside Sports on 6. 30 Chad. We'll keep an eye on the Blue Jays game tonight. They start a series in St. Louis. Of course, the Blue Jays' worst record in the majors coming in at 5-14. The Western Hockey League Conference Finals continuing tonight as uh, well. We'll uh, peek at the hardwood every once in a while with the NBA playoffs continuing too. You'll want to reach me. I'm always happy to hear from you. 780-496-0063 is the phone number. You can text 630-630. Follow me on Twitter, at Reed Wilkins, R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S. And you can email the show if you still use that old-fashioned form of communication, Inside Sports at 630ched.com. All right, a lot to get to today. We'll start with a little bit from the Edmonton Oilers. Going into this series with Anaheim, I think there's a a big expectation, certainly I have it, that this will be a more physical, maybe a meaner, chippier series than what we saw against the San Jose Sharks. Oilers coach Todd McClellan was asked about that. I thought San Jose did um, a tremendous job in um, the speed part of of their tenacity and their checking. Uh, You know, there weren't thundering hits, but there were a lot of little hits that all added up to slow us down in certain areas. Uh, where Anaheim has that reputation of being bigger and stronger and maybe more bold uh, body contact. So um, it works both ways. And uh, as I said all year, we're equipped to play however the game is going to be played. So we're okay with that. Well... And I think the Oilers are equipped to play that way. And we'll talk more about this as we move along tonight. But if you look at the changes that have happened over the last couple of years with Peter Shirelli as the general manager, Milan Lucic brought in, Zach Cassian brought in, Patrick Maroon brought in. I think those guys lead the way. Adam Larson can play a physical game. And, uh, you know, then you have Darnell Nurse, who was, you know, was here before Shirelli. So there you got about a quarter of the roster that, you know, overtly can get involved involved in stuff like that. And some other guys who have become better checkers and better able to withstand that type of game. Uh, I mean, I don't know it was how many times during previous years hosting this show, talking about the Oilers, you talked about them not having any pushback. You talked about them getting boxed out of games, all that kind of stuff. And it was one of many problems the team 
uh, the team had. I mean, they weren't uh, traditionally in the bottom three in the league just because they weren't physical enough. There was more going on there, but that was definitely an issue. So I think if the Anaheim Ducks do want to take this series into the back alley, as I like to say, uh, I think the Oilers are uh, fine with some guys leading the charge into that, staying out of the penalty box, obviously being the, the disclaimer to go along with that. But it's it's interesting, too, and I'll get to these uh, some of these clips as we move along through the first half hour here. It, it seems to me the Oilers are being a little careful what they say about the Anaheim Ducks, which is probably a good strategy. But, uh, but I'll get to that a- as we move along. The other big story today, Brock Sunderland announced today as the Eskimos' new general manager. We had the news conference for you live on 6.30, Chet. It was held in the uh, Eskimos' locker room between 2 and 3. Morley Scott and Dave Campbell hosted. I was down there as well. Got to meet Brock uh, briefly. So, of course, we're wishing him all the best. And he's uh, an interesting young man, and I, I do consider him young because he's younger than me, just 37 years of age, but a long history in football, his father, Marv Sunderland, recently retired after 40 years as a scout, most recently worked with the Tennessee Titans in the uh, in the NFL, and he grew up in Montana, which means Brock Sunderland had a pretty good knowledge of what the CFL is all about. I grew up loving the CFL because my dad had, a, I would say, a cup of coffee, but it might have been more a sip of coffee with the Calgary Stampeders. So one of the first jerseys I wore, sorry, S fans, but was a, a Stampeder <laughs> fan. Yeah. But that being said, being in Montana, my mother grew up on a wheat farm in northern Montana. So on the combine every summer, I got Eskimo games all day, every day. And a lot of times when people would say, who was your favorite player growing up? It was Gizmo Williams. You know what I mean? Being able to see a guy, his stature, I was a punt returner, I was a receiver, and seeing him do backflips, just, I've, I've been a fan of the organization for a long time all right so uh, memories of watching gizmo williams pretty neat there coming from brock sunderland who uh, says you know the ex eskimos roster Seems okay. I think it's a very talented team. I think everything's in place here to be as successful as any team in the league right now. I think there's, when you go across positions, there's not any real glaring weaknesses. So it's exciting. It's fun to step into that and and hit the ground running. What's your philosophy as a general manager for building a team? Quarterback, first and foremost. In this league, your second would be, uh, well, first and foremost is head coach, which I think we have. Second is quarterback. If you don't have that, you shouldn't even show up. We have that here, not only in Mike, but in our depth. And third's Canadian content. So I, I think the top three things are, are very much in place here. And, and we'll adjust, we'll tweak, and we'll move forward. But I think it's a very, uh, it's a table that's set well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned you know the CFL very well. You know football very well. I read some great stories, and it's probably not the time to talk about I'd love to sit down and talk to you about a little bit more, but sure. uh, the time you spent with your father, uh, I read a story in the weekend that said you're, one of your earliest memories is sitting on his knee watching film, like yeah. real film, and watching football The projector film. Yeah, exactly. Yes. That's what I mean. yes. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, you're 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 a football lifer. Absolutely. I mean, this is uh, from the time I was born. What what fed our family and clothed us was professional football. So, I always use the analogy. A lot of times, if if your father's a stockbroker or a teacher, you learn by osmosis. And a lot of my friends moved into the career path of their fathers. I've done the same thing. As it just happens that mine's professional football. All right, so interesting guy with an interesting story. Interesting times for the green and gold. The firing of Ed Hervey certainly was uh, was pretty unexpected. But uh, Ed relieved his duties about two and a half weeks ago, so the search began for a new GM. I wasn't sure the Eskimos would have one. I, I, I thought maybe it might be Paul Jones for uh, as an interim for the rest of the season. 
but the Eskimos, uh, they interviewed four people. They had to, you know, talk to other organizations to get permission. Certainly with Brock Sunderland, I think if you're the Ottawa Red Blacks, you're not going to hold a guy back. He's been a guy who's been a candidate before for other other GM jobs. So if does, does it make a difference to Ottawa if you're losing him now or if you're uh, losing him December 1st or whenever the next hiring would have taken place? So he takes over an Eskimos team that has been you know, pretty good on the field the last three seasons. And I, I think what's important for Sunderland is that he has a pre-existing relationship with head coach Jason Moss, who was, of course, Ottawa's offensive coordinator before returning to the Eskimos to be the coach. I think philosophically we see eye to eye in football, but we also know how one another works and how one another communicates. And I think that's one of the key things of a general manager-head coach relationship is just knowing each other and how you work. All right, and Sunderland ready to jump right in and go to work. The CFL draft is coming up. you got a mini camp in Vegas starting at the end of the month and going to May 2nd. So Sunderland looking ahead at his daytimer. Well, every organization works a little bit differently. Uh, I understand that Rob's taking the reins over the, the draft process, so I'm going to link up with him and get on the same page with where the draft board is, and that'll be the biggest thing, is it's a quick turnaround in the sense of, we go to minicamp this weekend, we have a mandatory cut down May 1st, then we roll right into the draft, so it's a quick turnaround, and sometimes that might be good. Usually when you jump in and don't have time to overthink things, as the, the saying goes, over-analysis causes paralysis, so if we can just hop yeah. in and see where we're at, the beauty of it is I've been in this league for four years now, again, the second time around. I know this roster very well, and Jason and I already spoke about pretty much every position, the depth, what some of our needs might be, so we're pretty much ready to roll for Vegas. All right, and again, April 30th to May 2nd is the mini camp coming up in Las Vegas. So there's the latest on the Edmonton Eskimos. We'll have some more comments from Sunderland as we roll along tonight. You can text 630-630, the phone number 780-496-0063, and uh, more on Sunderland, including some video from the news conference today, all sitting there for you on 630ched.com. Blue Jays and Cardinals just getting underway in St. Louis. That's one of the games we'll keep you updated on the Crystal Glass scoreboard tonight. Crystal Glass, for all your glass needs, you can call 310-GLASS today. We'll take a quick timeout, and then you'll hear from Connor McDavid and Darnell Nurse inside sports on 630 Chet. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. So, uh, some sad news today. Former tough guy Sasha Lakovic passing away at the age of 45. He was diagnosed with inoperable brain cancer last year. Fought his way to the uh, NHL, played 37 games with the Devils and play- Flames, played for 15 different minor league teams. And my personal experience with Sasha Lakovic was at the 2005 Allen Cup in Lloydminster. He was a member of that Horse Lake team led by, uh, led by Theo Fleury that was the heavy favorite in the tournament and was upset by the Thunder Bay Bombers in the semifinal in one of the most memorable hockey games that I have seen in person. Not just hockey game. I mean, that would be on the, my top five list of most memorable games and probably the number one most memorable post-game news conference ever uh, with Sasha Lakovic and Theo Fleury uh, coming out and uh, delivering a uh, very 
Well, it was kind of angry. <laughs> Some kind of angry post-game comments. That was my only uh, personal experience uh, with the guy, and I know Theo has talked about that, that maybe it wasn't his uh, his best moment uh, either. But uh, tough news for the hockey world, and all the best to Sasha and his family. Inside Sports on 6.30, Chad. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It is 6.21. You can text 6.30, 6.30. You can call 780-496-0063. And we have uh, one of our regular buddies, Jared, calling in tonight. Jared, good to hear from you. Hi, Reed. How are you? I'm doing quite well. How have you been? Pretty good. I just uh, wanted to make a couple of comments on the past San Jose series and one on the Anaheim series. When After the 7 nothing game, and then in the fifth game, the Oilers were up 3-1. And I think at that point... San Jose really had Edmonton by the throat mm-hmm. and all they had to do was squeeze but for some reason they just kind of took the the, the foot off the gas and stopped going after the Oilers and I always thought in watching when it was 3-1 that in San Jose was playing well we're now playing the old Edmonton Oilers this isn't a team that's going to fight back and they let off and then ready by the end of that game, the momentum had changed so much that San Jose couldn't get it back. But in the back of my mind, I've often thought in that fifth game that San Jose was not really taking Edmonton as seriously as they should have. But I think that when the Oilers play Anaheim, I think it's going to be a lot nastier series. They have like some dirtier forwards. And I think that it's going to be a long six, seven game series, but... The Oilers, I think, are going to have learned from that first series, but I think it's going to be a much tougher opponent in terms of the forwards, especially with Anaheim. Well, I think it will be, and I think it will be a more physical series, and you probably heard the the comment McClellan made off the top. I mean, he said San Jose was still physical, but it was a lot more maybe little hits and and chipping away and using your speed. I I think this has the potential to be a louder series, and, and that was definitely something we talked about after Game 5, uh, you know, Rob and I talked about it. I, I had Chris Joseph on uh, one of our shows a few days ago that definitely San Jose was criticized for maybe being too passive in the third period of Game 5. Peter DeBoer says, no, we were doing what we wanted to do. They just happened to get a goal, but then they couldn't get it back together in overtime. Jared, I was just flipping back here through my notes. San Jose, if you look at Game 4... And then the first part of Game 5, they scored 10 goals in 88 and a half minutes. 10 goals in 88 and a half minutes, and then they got one goal in the last 110 minutes of the series. Counting yeah, it's the, just counting like they, the they, they, they kind of, they weren't the same team, but also at that point, I think there was a little bit of concern with Cam Talbot. I mean, he'd been pulled in Game 4, and he had let in three goals in Game 5, and I was kind of thinking, hmm, but they... They got it back together, and, and that's good for them. And that's uh, showing that, you know, there's always, in almost all these series, there's that point where the one team has them, and they don't have that killer instinct, and they just leave the door open a little bit. And San Jose did, and Edmonton took advantage of it. And that's why I think Edmonton's a, uh, a very good hockey team. But with Anaheim, I think that, you know, they finished off Calgary. They did not allow Calgary to get back into that series. And uh, I think that's the opponent they're going to be facing there in the second round. But I think it's going to be six or seven games again. And I really, I don't, I don't think I can pick a winner between the two. But I think it's going to be a, a very, very long series. And I think with Connor McDavid, I think that he won't have that same with same um, matchup with Vlasic that he did in the first round. I don't think Anaheim has any defenseman. But I think with Vlasic is that they talk about how good he is defensively, but. 
as a whole, San Jose is a very defensive team, and I think that Connor McDavid didn't have a lot of options, and he was letting them dictate. Like so, Vlasic gives him the outside, McDavid goes to the outside, he gives him the blue line. McDavid takes the blind, but he wasn't dictating the right. last his game. Like when I often find with McDavid, if he is willing to drive to the net, not behind the net early in the game, and establish that he's willing to do that, that really gets defensemen back on their heels, and he basically can do whatever he wants. But if he starts to be where they're giving me this, I'm going to take it. Well, that's why they're giving it to him because they want to kind of rein him in and kind of suck him into a corner or off to the side. So. I bet McDavid's learning too as well, but it oh, should absolutely. be a really good series read. I think so, and I think it's going to be a long one. And I, I mean, I called it a coin flip. I picked the Oilers on Oilers now because I said if it's 50-50, yeah. I'm going to go with the city I live in because <laughs> why not? But, yeah, I, and I, I wonder about the defense too. There's a lot of talk about Lindholm being out there against McDavid. Yeah. I don't think he's as good as Vlasic, and I'm not by no means I'm saying that he's bad. I don't think he's as good as Vlasic. Some people have said, oh, watch out for Lindholm. I guess the thing, though, Jared, is if you look at the combination of Lindholm and likely Manson, are they as a duo better than Vlasic and Braun, if if, yeah. if you factor in the entire pairing? Well, yeah. maybe. We'll see. We'll see. Thanks, buddy. Okay, have a good night, Reed. That's Jared, 780 uh, 0063 usually gives us a buzz uh, once a week or so. Always good to hear from him. I'm happy to hear from you as well on the open line. Got some texts rolling in about the Oilers' upcoming series. We'll also tee it up with former NHL goaltender Kelly Rudy. We'll have some comments from Nurse McDavid. Oh, yeah, and also Oscar Kleffbaum, who's feeling better back at practice today. He says he's good to go tomorrow. It's Inside Sports on Oilers Radio 630. Chad, we're back after the news. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. Here we go, Inside Sports. Thanks for tuning in. 6.33. Blue Jays already trailing St. Louis. 1-0 in St. Louis. Now going to the bottom of the second inning. The Blue Jays of Major League Baseball worse. 5-14 and 14 on the season. Some other notes. The finalists for the Jack Adams Award to the NHL, that's Coach of the Year, will be announced tomorrow. I wonder if Todd McClellan is going to be one of the three. I know a lot of you were disappointed Cam Talbot didn't sneak into the three finalists for the uh, Vesna. Running back Adrian Peterson, done with the Minnesota Vikings. He signs with the New Orleans Saints. Some other news and notes today. New Eskimos general manager Brock Sunderland, Meeting everybody today, we had one-on-one interviews with him this afternoon. You can get more by going to the Eskimos page on 630chad.com. Warren Mulvey on the other side of the window. He's been enjoying the Oilers' playoff season so far. Warren, were you pretty tense on uh, when we went to that series end? Saturday night? I was, and I was at work, so it was like... You're trying to concentrate oh, on you doing your job. Oh, you were news, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the game's on, and we're all kind of reading the news and having that happen. It was it was tense. I, I will say this about when you get down to the end of a series, and obviously the stakes are hopefully going to keep increasing for the Oilers here. We'll see how far they go. But it's it's often not smooth when you're closing out a hockey game in general, but, but certainly when you have a team down 
and their season is coming to the end. They tend to play pretty desperate. I don't know if you remember this, but I'm sure you remember the, the series, but the, the exact comment I want to bring up, Calgary and Tampa Bay went to Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final in 2007. And I'll always remember the interview with John Tortorella after the series that he did with Ron McLean, you know, the one right on the ice, right after the game ends. Because, what, Tampa Bay was up 2 nothing. Calgary got a goal. Heavy, who did Heavy Bullen make that great save on? I can't remember, but he kicked that one puck out. Calgary's applying all this pressure at the end. And uh, Ron McLean says to Tortorella, how are you able to hold it together? And he says, I'm not sure that we did. <laughs> because, you know, you get running around, you're trying to clear pucks, the other team's pressing. I mean, sometimes you're just, you're just in survival mode. It's, it's not pretty. Wasn't always a graceful finish to, for the Edmonton Oilers. I mean, that too many men penalty, that was just, I mean, you had two guys jump on the ice for one. I mean, that, that should be avoided. So that's somebody getting a little nervous late in the game. But they were able to close it out, and that's the main thing. Scoreboard, right? But yeah, I always. But a lot of times when I when I see that a team wins and you're like, oh well, they didn't play that great near the end. I remember games game seven of the Stanley Cup final. The coach saying, "I'm not sure we held it together. I'm not sure we were composed and kept doing what we do best. But we did enough to to keep the puck out of our own net. So remember that as we move along here. Uh, we got a text here to six thirty six thirty. I'm not sure if this person is serious or is being a bit of a troll, but I'm going to read it anyway. Uh, love to hear your thoughts on Clefbaum sitting for the third period because he's sick when Thornton played through two gruesome injuries. Seriously? Uh, kudos to Joe Thornton, torn MCL, torn ACL. Absolutely toughen it out. Different than just feeling too physically ill and weak to barely even be able to walk or skate. Uh, Clefbaum did tough it up on the bench. He was talking today about feeling better and uh, flashing back to being ill Saturday night. Feel good. I mean, uh, always back to normal. Um, didn't feel very good on the bench uh, in San Jose, but it was uh, felt a lot better after the game. Obviously, when we when we when we won that game, so. Uh, I mean, I feel a lot better now, so I should be good to go uh, tomorrow. Some of the guys, I think Todd mentioned it, we had some guys that's not been 100% the uh, last couple of weeks. And, uh, I mean, I, I did did feel a bit sick during the days. And, and obviously on the bench, I started to feel very, very cold and, and didn't feel good at all, almost ill. So I didn't, I felt like I was not 100% to go. So I just wanted to make sure I didn't go out just to, to play hero and, and make a mistake. So... It was up to the other guys, and I think they played a really solid game. Obviously, you want to go out there and, and uh, don't show the other team that I'm uh, sitting in the in the locker room and, and feel ill. So I just wanted to get out there just to play a little mental game. Yeah, I didn't feel good at all, i tell you that. I uh, I feel very ill and, and dizzy. I mean, yeah. first period was fine, but then I came to a point my just body just reacted and, and didn't feel good at all. And I mean, I could probably go out there and just stand in front of the net, but I wouldn't do any, any good. So I just told the guys I... I need some rest. Well, did you ever think I should? I gotta go to the locker room and lie down or something? Yeah, I actually went down uh, between second and, and third. I just went went into the locker room. I just lay down on the floor and uh, felt really good. I feel real bad. So, I mean, uh, I, I I just decided it's better for me to just rest a bit. All right, that's Oscar Clefbaum, who was back at practice today. You can text six thirty six thirty. Isaac says, "Hey, Reed, I have a dilemma. I'm a diehard Oilers fan since I was born in 1981. I've been cheering for them all the way, but." My my brother-in-law plays for Anaheim, and he's getting me playoff tickets. Who do I cheer for? That is from Isaac in Edmonton. 
Well, if you're a diehard Oilers fan, then you cheer for the Oilers no matter what. Like, there shouldn't even be a question. Just say, thanks for the tickets, but you know I'm an Oilers fan. All the best for you when you're not playing Edmonton. That's what you say to your brother-in-law. The Big L says, hey, Reed, agree with you about this series with Anaheim periodically being fought in the back alley. Is this not the time for Lucic to shine? Maybe he can brush back some of the early criticism his signing attracted. I certainly don't think the Ducks can rely upon the deliberate possum strategy that succeeded before them against the Flames. This is a different Oilers team. That is from the Big L. Well, that's what I'm, that was the point I was starting to make earlier. I don't think I finished my thought. And I, I understand why everybody would say in previous years, the Oilers need pushback. They always need pushback. They need pushback. Yes, sometimes you do. Push first is way better. And hope, and when the Oilers have had that on your toes, let's get in there and forecheck and be the aggressive team mentality, they have players who can do that. So they got to get out there and use that skill. Lucic first and foremost, absolutely. Here's a text from Brian who says, Hi, Bob. How much of a chance do the Oilers have to win over the Ducks? Well, I assume that text was probably meant for Bob Stoffer or maybe Bob Layton. So I'll answer it in my Bob Layton voice. Time to check the mailbag. Brian wants to know if the Oilers can beat the Ducks. That sounds like a foul task. It's 640. Back with Kelly Rudy on Inside Sports. This is Oscar Clefbaum from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to the Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 6:30. Chad. Great tunes tonight, Warren Mulvey. Certainly, the best thing about the movie Twister was that song. Oilers and Ducks tomorrow on 6.30. Chet, face-off show at 6. Game will start at 8.30. Time for our weekly visit from NHL on Rogers analyst, former NHL goaltender, Kelly Rudy. Kelly, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm fantastic, Reed. I've got an extremely difficult night coming up. I have to figure out where, which fine dining spot in Toronto I need to go to until we start to get to, back to covering round two. How, what, how troublesome, right? Yeah, exactly. It's, uh, that's great, Kelly. I, I love how you do nothing to dispel the life of the, the stereotype of the pampered retired athlete. People just love that. <laughs> I know, I love it. Some people choose to unfollow me because they're, they're so mad at me that I never tweet basically anything about hockey. It's just usually my food and my wine sitting yeah. in front of me, a beautiful setting somewhere. It's awesome. You know what's interesting, speaking of that, a, a listener texted in last night and, and said, Reed, I'm going, to, I'm going to be in New York for the start of the Oilers' second-round series. Do yeah. you know of anywhere that shows hockey in, in Manhattan? And I've been to Manhattan, but not to watch hockey. I mean, as you know, I ran the, the marathon a few years ago. So yeah. I put it out there to, to listeners, and I guess maybe you know this place. There's a, there's a pub right by Madison Square Garden called The Flying Puck that I guess is a hockey-oriented bar. Yep. Yeah, I've been there. It's uh, been a while, but uh, that, you know, it's changing the topic just a little bit. That is one of the things I do. Like I, when I go to certain cities, I tweet at people finding out, hey, what's a good place to go? And, and oftentimes I get some of the best suggestions from just throwing out a, a random question like that, whether it's you know, a pub you want to go watch hockey or a cool little dining spot that you maybe wouldn't know or trust if you didn't know otherwise from people. And so 
that to me has been a real blessing. I mean, I found this really cool place in Nashville simply because uh, people were uh, tweeting at me, and it's a, it's. I went there with Rick Ball, the play-by-play guy from the Flames, and a few other people. And, oh, my, what a really cool vibe because, as you know, Nashville's got a lot of really fun places, but this was a unique vibe with a different kind of musical experience. It was fantastic. Well, I, I, I know you make the most of uh, of your, your time on the road for sure, which I appreciate. I, I would do that too. You might as well get out there and experience uh, whatever community yeah. that you're in. The Oilers are going to experience the Anaheim Ducks before we tee up that series. Oscar Clefbaum back at practice today. He was ill during the third period against San Jose on Saturday. Didn't play and then didn't practice yesterday. Um, I mean, he, he wanted to just gut it out and, and sit on the bench and, yeah. and he, he made a reference to lying down between periods and trying to feel better. Do you have a memory of maybe the, the, the illest you ever played through or that you saw a teammate try to battle through or at least sit on the bench so he looked like he was available to the other team? You know what? I've, yes. Virtually, if I played with a guy for any length of time, uh, he's seen me extremely sick and I've seen uh, them extremely sick. So it uh, it's an interesting dynamic, though, and I, I know the medicine has changed a lot. We used to... Uh, and certainly the era before me, you would try and gut it out, uh, no pun intended, and and try and find a way to stay in the game or be involved. And as as we uh, as time progresses, you know, sometimes you can do it. Sometimes it's not a risk to others, but you know, it, it's a thing where oftentimes it's best to be away from the team. And I mean, I recall one time it was my first year, in fact, when I was traded to LA. And Glenn Healy, near the end of the, the regular season, he was my goalie partner. He got extremely sick. Like, he couldn't even travel on the road. I think our last game was in Vancouver. And he was hospitalized. And uh, as luck would have it, we're in Vancouver. And in the middle of the second period, I'm thinking, you know what? I'm not feeling all that great myself. So we ended up flying home after the game. And we had about two, three days until we were going to face the Oilers back home for the first game, first couple games of that series. And lo and behold, I got like crazy sick. I ended up getting getting hospitalized. And Glenn Healy came out of the hospital, literally, from the, from the hospital to the arena, played the game, and then came back to the hospital to uh, recover that night. So both of us were in the hospital. I didn't even dress the first game of that series. And I ended up doing that, I believe, for the first uh, at least three games of that, or I guess not the third because it, we would have been back in Edmonton, but I was still dog sick. I tried to play games three and four, and I was horrible. I didn't get my strength back till the fifth game of that series. So, of course, uh, you know, you really lean on your medical staff. Um, and, and who's the – we're talking about uh, Eric Carlson a couple of days ago in the broadcast. I'm not sure if you saw the game – not last game that Ottawa played, but the game before, he was cramping up in the third uh, in overtime uh, severely. He had played over 40 minutes, and um, I'm sure you and your listeners know once you start to cramp, there's no saving it. I mean, you can't put in enough fluids in that amount of time to continue playing very effectively. And I think that was one of the reasons why he wasn't very good in game-winning goal by Boston, but it can take if you are prone to dehydration and those sorts of things, it can take days, weeks, or months for certain people. Oh, wow. So um, that that was the 91 playoffs, you said? Uh, 89. 89, sorry, okay. 
Interesting. Yeah. And yeah. so we, we, we ended up falling behind 3-1, and and then uh, we ended up winning that game in seven, or that series in seven. So it was a, uh, a crazy series. But sure, I mean, all the time you hear about stories like that. Guys were sick, and as you know, Dreisaitl was not feeling very well early in the series, and hard to get a strength back so you just hope that it doesn't go through the entire team which it has on occasion yeah for sure well i think the oilers are feeling better than they were and there were definitely some other guys who maybe well you know they obviously weren't as ill as as Clefbaum or maybe even dry settle but you heard some guys sounding like they were stuffed up or or gravelly throats and you know that always that always happens tough timing for the oilers but they gutted it out and before we look at the anaheim series I, i mean to me a big story for the Oilers against the Sharks was, and you know, Kelly, you need this in the playoffs. You, you got to get, there's got to be an unlikely hero, Cassian, DeHarnay, even Slepeshev with that breakaway goal. That was a big part of the Oilers winning formula. Absolutely, because you know those other guys are going to be uh, tested and, and they're going up against the top guys. So you definitely need guys like that to, to chip in. And I, I think also, even uh, I've said this before, even a guy like Matt Benning to come into the lineup and play just over 15 minutes a game, add in a couple of assists. So you've had some real unlikely heroes to a certain degree. And and, uh, when Cassian's on, I mean, I think every Edmontonian that loves the Oilers would tell you he's a a real force to be reckoned with. He plays with such energy and passion, and and, uh, he's just got to find a way to get that out of himself every game because he's really invaluable when he plays that style. Well, and and I think looking ahead to the Anaheim series, and that's a big thing about the Oilers, is that if Anaheim wants to make this a chippy or a yappy series, or the phrase I like to use, if they want to drag it into the back alley, yeah, the Oilers have several guys that can say, yeah, fine, let's go, let's you know, let's let's cheap it up, let's see what happens, right? <laughs> You're right, and uh, one guy that uh, comes to mind for me, and I didn't know this about him, but Adam Larson's got a, a, a dirty edge to him that I like this game in New Jersey. I didn't know that at times he can be vicious mean. I think of a couple clips that I showed earlier in the year against uh, I can't remember, I think it was Daniel Sedin, and there was a puck battle and man, he was cross-checking the heck out of him high like near the neck area and all that. I was like, hey, I like this guy a lot. I mean, it's great if you can stop the cycle and all those other things that he does really well, but if you play with the real edge and and if you're regarded sometimes as sneaky, dirty, like a Duncan Keith maybe, that kind of guy, that's really important. I want to ask you one more, Kelly. The Oilers have been using the phrase belief system quite a bit. As a guy who's been in dress, because, you know, that can sound kind of corny, you know what I mean? Well, we got a belief system. Well, every team believes they yeah. can win, right? But but I think there's a little more to it than that. When you hear a team say belief system or our belief system is strong or is working, what does that mean to you? It means that they've gone through a number of tests during the regular season and they've stuck with it and they've been rewarded. So that now when they look back, and they'll face more challenges, because you always do, and they're, they come in many different forms. They'll kind of look back and go, hey, well, we're in this situation. might have looked or felt a little bit different in game 47 or in that stretch between games 52 and 58, but we found a way to stick with what we're, we're doing. We all remain strong mentally, and we were able to get through the stretch. So it's something like that where 
you have enough positive uh, experience or feedback, positive stuff that you can draw upon. So that instead of the other where you continue to play your system, continue to have the same people in lineup, you, you keep getting negative re- results, it's awfully difficult to convince your your mind that you have a belief system. So to me, that's very important. And any good team I've ever been on, we had a really strong belief system. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. And it's and it's not changing. It's not going away from your strengths if you're behind in a game. And that game five against the Sharks, they're behind two, and then they're behind one going to the third. And the, you know they didn't come out. Okay, we got to try for breakaway passes. We got to take chances. They yeah. had that attitude. We got 20 minutes to tie the game. If we got to do it late, like they did on the Clefbaum goal, then that's fine. Yeah. That's how they got it done that night. And and there's again where that belief goes because. I didn't think in, in certain parts in that game that they were all that great. I didn't think they were bad, but I didn't think they were at the level they needed to be. And so that's where you really draw upon those experiences. And, and I can even go further. Like one time, with my first year in San Jose, uh, it was a team in transition. They had uh, gotten rid of a bunch of the younger prospects, and they Dean Lombardi brought in myself and a whole bunch of veteran guys to try kind of, and I, I kind of hate this line too, but change the culture because it was one that didn't really have a strong belief system and so on. And I tell you, though, that was a real battle that year to stick with it all the time because we weren't getting a lot of uh, positive from that year. It was a real struggle, but we were making small gains, and that's what I think propelled us next season into uh, making the playoffs. So we, we believed enough in each other and what we were trying to do, but it's a slow process if you're not getting as much positive as you need. Yeah, for sure. Well, it's going to be fun. Oilers and Ducks. Kelly, I know you're uh, back on the tube tomorrow night, so look forward to watching that. And we'll talk to you next week, man. You got it. Thanks, Reed. Always fun, bud. Kelly Rudy checking in, former NHL goalie, now with the NHL on Rogers. You're seeing him pretty much every night on the tube during the playoffs. We'll go to Anaheim. Dan Wood is their radio analyst. We will also talk to Chris Getzlaff, the former Eskimo, the brother of Ducks forward Ryan Getzlaff, about their paths to pro sports, one in football, one in hockey. All ahead on Inside Sports. 6.30 Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.